I am excited to have the opportunity to share the word with you tonight. Uh, and I had kind of been praying, you know, last week we talked about and we kind of celebrated that we had made it to six months as a church, right? And uh, I had told you that every article pretty much under the sun tells you that once you're at six months for a church, that you practically make it into what I have relatively termed the death zone. Um, and that means that most new churches die between six months and two years. So we're in the death zone. <laughs> now, I told you also last week that the good news is we live longer than a dragonfly and then a housefly and all those good things. And so um, so I, I began praying. Last, last week, we, we really shared about the things that were going to be important for us as a church as we go into this next season for us. Um, you know, the first six months is an, is an interesting time, right? You're, you're figuring out um, where your place is in the community. You're figuring out um, what the, the vision that God had given and all these different things in, in that six-month time period. Um, but going into the next six months, what that looked like for us um, was really filled around three things, I believe. And the first is that we must be filled with faith. That as we read last week in Hebrews, talking about the full assurance of faith and walking that out every place that we go. Because if we're going to minister to people in this community, it is going to come from a position of faith. Not a position of having the right words, but a position of faith and believing that God is able to do whatever we need God to do in that moment. Whatever, whatever we find ourselves in lack of that he would be able to move in that. So we must be filled with faith. The other piece was that we have to be encouraging one another. That is our place is in being in the body is that we should be spurring one another up towards good works and love. That is what we're supposed to do. I talked to you about how at the end of the day, um, we may not have the most elegant speaker. We may not have the most perfect band with every single instrument under the sun. But what we will be able to do is spur one another towards good works. And if we walk into that, then we're going to be able to make it on past where I believe God wants us to go. The other thing that I believe that, that God spoke to us was in consistency, that we have to consistently come together as a body. And as we do that consistently, what we will see is we will see the ability to continue to encourage one another. See, as I, I gave the analogy of um, someone going to the gym and working out, right? Um, I'm not a guy that goes to the gym and works out. But um, we talked about going to the gym and working out and how the way you get the experience that, that you really want is by being consistent. And it is the same thing with our walk in, in Christ. But tonight, what I want to talk to you about is something that um, I was, I've been studying and reading in James. And uh, something that just jumped out at me that I, I, I love this. It's some of my favorite passages. And we'll be in James chapter 1. And uh, tonight what I want to talk to you about is this, this topic of do what it says. Do what it says. In the picture that I've kind of given you here, um, I know I've told you guys this story once before. Um, it's ultimately a rolled up piece of fence. And I've told you guys the story before about how my father would point out fence when we would go hiking. Old rusted fence. Now that's not a rusted fence. It's actually in pretty good shape. But um, an old rusted fence that he would point out to me and he would tell me that that was, was gonna fence. 
that was, was, and I'd say, no, that's a chain link fence. And he'd say, no, that was going to fence because someone was going to put that fence up and they never did. So he would say, that's was going to fence. And when it comes to the word of God, we cannot allow ourselves to be satisfied with allowing this to be was going to stuff, right? We have to find ourselves in a position where we say, I'm going to walk this out. And more importantly, I'm going to do what it says. That's challenging. It's, it's a thought-provoking idea to say, I'm going to do whatever this says. And so I'm, I want to jump right into here what this says in uh, James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 19 here. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So when I read that, I think many of us have heard that passage about being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. I think, I think we've, we've heard that, we've maybe even seen it on a graphic or whatever it is. I, I think we've, we've been there. But the reason I believe that this is so important for us now is that our, our human nature can struggle with this, especially in a culture that tells you you should be angry about something. You should be angry about the way someone feels. You should be angry about the way, about what someone else is doing. You should be angry about the color of your neighbor's house. Uh, we, we, we had to reside our house when, this, when the, um, we had a big tree limb come out and it took out our power lines and it ripped our siding out of our house. And uh, our house was yellow and we loved our yellow house. And when that siding got ripped out, um, fortunately and unfortunately, our insurance company was like, we're going to have to reside your whole house. Good news, brand new siding for the whole house. <laughs> Bad news is then we have to pick out a color. And uh, so we wanted the, the yellow. And so we're like, we'll just get the exact same color we had before. And they came back and they're like, this is like 14, 15 year old siding. That color doesn't exist. And so then we had this tough decision of picking the right color that we wanted. And we were like, this is like a forever decision for us. Because I don't want, I'm not going to change siding. I'm going to sell the house before I recite the house. Like that's what's going to happen. And I'm just going to buy a house that's got the right color. And so, so we're, 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 I mean, Beth and I, and Bethany, the designer that she is, her mind is like, Super stressed out about this decision because he's like, "This is big. Like, this is really big." And we we picked the color. We finally settled, and we picked a color that was actually originally the old farmhouse color. And so we were like, "Okay, this is kind of this feels right. You know, we like the way we think this is going to look." And uh, we get it done. And neighbor comes walking over. He's looking at the house. Man, I hate that you guys changed the color of this house. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it was really nice of you to say that. <laughs> And, and what's, what's funny is that um, we, we always, our human nature is always to, to respond in some way, right? And, but what we see when we look at the Word of God is that the Word of God wants us to respond in love. In all situations. In all situations, we have to find ourselves in a, in a position to respond in love. We, we create such an emphasis because of our culture on making sure that our opinion is loud enough for everyone else to hear. But the reality is... If you are working way too hard to, to profess your opinion, and much harder about your opinion than you are about the Word of God, then we're missing it. And that includes me. 
right? When I, when I get up on my soapbox, is this coming out of me or is my opinion coming out of me? And so when I, when I, when I dig deeper into here, I understand that, you know, this scripture says right here, anger does not produce righteousness. Now that's not a newsflash. I don't, I can't remember the last person that said, man, I got so angry that I was righteous. You know, I, that, it's not typically, it's not typically what I hear coming out of someone's mouth, right? This isn't a newsflash, but we know what the word says. The word literally tells us right here to remove the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent so that we can humbly accept the word planted into us. And it tells us that anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so we know it. And so the reality is, the question for us is, are we going to do what it says? Are we really going to do what it says? If it tells us to be one way, why do we find ourselves allowing ourselves to be something other than what the word of God has for us? See, it says to prevent anger, we must remove all moral filth and evil. Now, some of you, when we talk about that, I think, I think that when you really start thinking, okay, I think of my own life. What is, what is the filth? What is the evil, right, that is prevalent, that wants to distract me? That wants to keep me from what God wants me to do. That wants to prevent me from doing what it says. When I think about that, there are things that in my own mind that come, come right up, okay? And for some of you, it may be different. They may be different things. From person to person, I believe that it can change. But see, what we have done is we have, we have forsaken the word of God. Because the word of God is intended to do two things. Um, but the one thing that I, I really want to talk about is this is a form of preventive maintenance, right? A lot of times we want to use the word once we're bleeding to death on the ground. And then we're like, we need the word of God in us. But this is also preventive maintenance. See, we need to continue to pour this into us so that before that wound starts to get cut open, we already have what it takes to be able to stomach it. See, I think of um, last, was it this week? This week. Um, I had a, a dentist appointment and, um, so my work schedule, I switched my work schedule. I work nine to six. I love working nine to six because I beat the traffic and all this stuff. It's perfect for me. Okay. Um, and then I forget that I work nine to six when I schedule my dentist appointment for 7am in Amelia. And, uh, I remember it was, it was actually this past Monday was my dentist appointment and, uh, Sunday night I was sitting there with Beth and I said, why did I do that? Why did I do that to myself? Why did I schedule a 7 a.m. dentist appointment when I don't, I don't usually go to work till 9? But when I go to the dentist, right, they're going to do a routine cleaning and they're going to check me out and make sure, you know, I'm not getting ready to um, lose all my teeth. And uh, when I first started going to this dentist, oh gosh, it's been 10 years ago, okay? When Beth and I got married, there are different things that um, we had to take from each other, right? Well, I had to take her dentist. Um, which actually wasn't a bad deal. Um, because he was much better than the dentist that I had. And so when we got married, she was like, you have to use my dentist from here on out. I'm like, that's cool. I don't even really know my dentist at all, so whatever. And uh, when I went there, sat down in the chair, you know, they do the cleaning, and the dentist comes in. He says, you got some wisdom teeth, and they need to come out. I said, yeah, kind of knew you might say that. He's like, yep, they need to come out. They're going to cause problems if you don't take them out. Said, okay, at that point, um, Nakoda had recently just been born. So Nakoda, our first, is just a newborn baby. So I guess it was about eight years ago when he had this conversation with me. He said, but don't worry, there's no big rush. You can wait till your kid gets older, no problem. I said, okay. Or actually, the way he said it, he said, you can wait till your kids get older. Okay. So I said, okay. 
And so it's been eight years now, and he sees me Monday. He says, "Didn't haven't I like told you for eight years to take these wisdom teeth out?" I said, yeah, but you told me when my kids got older, I could do it. And I just kept having kids. Like, like I thought that as long as I kept having kids, I wouldn't have to actually do it. He's like, it's time. You need to get them out. I'm like, okay. I guess the, the whole kid thing doesn't work. But what he's, what he's doing even in there, he's, he's trying to give me preventative maintenance. He's telling me, listen, you're going to have more problems if you don't take care of this up front. And see, the word of God is intended to do that for us. Because it literally says that we need to humbly accept the word planted in you. The word does not get planted in you if you don't receive it. And I'm not talking about coming here on Saturday night to receive the word. I'm talking about you and your quiet time sitting down and getting into the word of God. See, we have got to stop treating this like the emergency band-aid. And we have to start recognizing that this word of God is supposed to be in us to allow us to humbly accept the word so it can do what? So that the word can, it literally says, so that the word can save you, can save you, can protect you from the things that you're going to run into. See, our culture wants us to get angry, but the word encourages us to be careful of anger because it's not going to produce, I promise you of that. And as you get into the word, it will, it will have you seek out things that are in your life. It'll seek out those things that say, okay, I know what that moral filth is for me right now. I know what that sin is that easily besets me. I know what it is that is keeping me from being able to walk into holiness. And see, the reality is, most of us, we already know. We already know. We already know where we struggle. We already know where we find ourselves in this pit. But we, ref we, we want to substitute something else for true holiness. See, the word of God is to be consumed humbly. God wants us to step into a life of holiness that isn't satisfied with what we classify. And then how often do we, do we place it on our chore list? See, we should be eager to get into this word and to receive what God has for us. But more importantly, we have to be willing to receive that and we have to do what it says. If we will not allow this word to really change us and we won't actually, we just listen to it. We just hear it. We just amen to it. We just nod our head to it. But we never actually that I've heard someone come to me and pray and pray and pray for God to do something miraculous for them. And they will call it out specifically. And as soon as God does it, the next thing you know, it's a problem. That car is now a curse. That whatever it is is now a curse. And the reality is, is that if we change our mindset, right? And we become someone that is intently into the word of God. It literally tells us that those people, you're going to be blessed. Right? And so I'm like, I'm going to push the emergency brake. Well, I pushed it in. Um, and it was pretty hard to push in. And then I went to pull the trigger to release it. Nothing happened. And come to find out that emergency brake was like completely rusted all the way through. So I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I have a problem. He said, what? I said, I pushed in the emergency brake on the Mustang. But it won't release it. It won't come back. He said, well, it's, it's probably just hung up in the, in the cable underneath. If we do what this word says, I can tell you what you'll find is it'll make a lot more sense. Because the first moment that you show someone love, when they show you hate, all of a sudden you'll feel something that's different than responding in anger. You'll feel something that says, wait a minute, that, that did feel right. <laughs> that did feel different. It did allow me to actually um, keep my holiness, right? <laughs> 